0: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Mad Mom Lukes. I'm Mahin and I'm here with my co-hosts, Summer and Sim. Before we introduce our guest today, you will notice that we have a new host in the rotation, Summer, who is a uh, specialist in education and the director of Fawaki Chicago. So, Summer, Jazakallah khair for joining our team and uh, welcome to the Mad Mom Lukes. Uh, we love, we're very appreciative of you coming on board.
1: Assalamu alaykum. I'm really excited to be here. Looking forward to today.
0: Do you want to give the audience a quick 30 second intro of your background? I kind of introduce you a little bit.
1: Sure. So, my name is Summer and I live here in Chicago. I am a teacher by profession and I also work with Pawake, um, administrating and managing classes here in the Chicago area.
0: Yeah. So, if you want to learn some Arabic in Chicago, uh, hit her up. We'll, you know, we'll have her contact information on the Mad Mom Looks page. Moving along, we have a very special guest in the show in the show today in, in studio, Omar Khwaja, who some of y'all who have young kids may know about him. He is the author of the Ilias and Duck series, and he is visiting us from DC. So, Omar, uh, jazakallah khair for coming on the show. It's an early morning for you. I know you got a busy schedule in Chicago, but we really appreciate you coming through today.
2: No, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really happy to be here. It's nice setup. So, what brings you to Chicago? What are you actually here for? Um, well, I, I came here. I, I, do these tours. Um, basically, they're, they're shows. Uh, they're, they what I like to call them is, uh, uh, story times on steroids. And, uh, so this is my first time in Chicago, uh, a, a company by the name of Honey Tree Books. Uh, they're a subscription based company, uh, that caters to, uh, Muslim audiences, uh, providing, um, nice children's books, uh, on a monthly basis. So they, uh, I met them at, uh, ISNA and, uh, they wanted to bring me here. Uh, to Chicago and do a tour and do this show that I do with Ilyas and Duck to to a few places, um, including ICN. And uh, Islamic Foundation. Right. So ICN for, uh, in,
0: for national or international listeners is one of the local masajid in Naperville uh, IFS IFS's Villa Park. You did a program there last night, and you got a youth program right. a little later today. And then you
2: – is that it? You had basically two big programs here this weekend? So I had two shows, and then this morning after this after this episode, I'm going to do a youth talk at ICN. Um, and that's really for 12-plus. Uh, I'm not really doing the show, but I, I'm kind of inspired, trying to inspire Uh, young kids um, to find a purpose and passion in life early on so that they, uh, you know, have a more fulfilling uh, future, more happy, you know, uh, fulfilling future. You know, what? I did Uh, see that flyer. That that looked pretty intriguing. I think that's a a really good
0: topic because when you're 12, 13 years old, I don't know, uh, I don't want you to date yourself, but... When you're 12 and 13, all you care about is like video games, right? And there's yeah. no like ambition for anything. Yeah. And then you realize you're like 35, and like, oh snap. Yeah. If <laughs> I did that when I was like in high school. And it's funny because when, when I meet people, for example, like let's say Dr. Allen, I want to give you an example because we, we're, we've invited him on the podcast and he's going to come on Dr. Jonathan Brown, right? And he is in his late 30s, just probably around our age. But when you listen to his background, he was thinking about stuff in high school. And a lot of our high school kids are just like still, just being like whether they're being pampered or whatever's going on is just they're mentally they're just not there. And then they grow up, even as adults, they never really check in. So right. uh, you know, right. w- 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 what's your? I don't know that's not related to the book, but since you we brought it up, what are your thoughts on that whole that whole mindset that you see in the
2: community? We're we're just like we're setting ourselves back so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I I was one of those kids i was totally lost i wouldn't say lost necessarily but uh, you know some kids have um, and i have three kids so I, I like i understand this from my own uh, experience and then i also understand it from from my my own kids growing up i have a 12 year old boy 10 year old boy and a 7 year old girl so um you know a lot of i wouldn't say kids are necessarily lost it, it's just that some kids uh need structure and they need structure in, in different ways right so um sometimes they need uh, to have
3: those classes in school to learn and progress. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about where you're coming from in terms of your background. How did you get into this, uh, in writing children's yeah. books? And, uh, what, what would motivate someone to kind of get into this, this arena?
2: Well, when I, I have three books now, but when yeah. I wrote the first one, it's, uh, Ilyas and Search for Allah. And it was really because my, my son at the time was five. And he started asking me all sorts of questions about the world around him, you know, like kids do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the questions that he asked was, you know, uh, where's Allah? He, because, you know, I think kids wanna, they, they, they experience the world through tangible things like, uh, touching, smelling, things like that. So, uh, you can't do any of that with, with Allah and, and over time, like, Allah's in your heart. And, um, and, and I, I guess maybe you can say it's more abstract, right? So, uh, question, questions
3: that, uh, scholars from for hundreds of years debated about right. and and you wrote it in a children's book and I read that book and I was really impressed with how you explained it to uh younger audiences because these are questions that people were debating about people we look yeah. up to and we look up, we read in books and we're like, wow, the scholar is amazing and look at the, all the different ways he's handling this question. But mm. you, you really just simplified that question and, were able to make it make sense to not just a kid, but I think an adult can even get some benefit from that book. Yeah, inshallah um and,
2: and that's what it was when he asked me this question, I tried the approach of, of just explaining to him what it says in the Quran and what we're told, right? Allah is above the seven heavens, he's on his arsh. Like what does a kid know what's what's an arch, right? So <laughs> so again, it's abstract for them. They can't see it, right? Um so uh I came up with the with with the idea to Explain to them this concept of God and Allah and 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 where He is, and not not in the physical form, but just kind of in, in in through in theological terms through a storybook. Because I read to them hundreds and hundreds of books, and I I see the power in books and the storytelling to communicate thoughts and ideas in in powerful ways to young kids and make sense to them. So uh, you know that was that was the platform that I wanted to use to help uh, you know answer that question.
3: What would you give advice to other people who are getting into writing children's book? How how do they kind of enter that that world? Does it take someone to want to just do it just because they see uh, some sort of something missing? That you know, in terms of coming up with
2: ideas and passion and what inspires people, to, you know, it's like it's like anything else. You 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 want to do it because it's a skill set that you have, or you think you have, and and you you feel like you have the ability to do it and execute it well. Um, and even if it goes nowhere, at least, at least you give it a shot. So, um, you know, I, I, as far as advice is concerned for other writers, um, or aspiring writers, I would just say write. Don't worry about publishing it. Don't worry about where it's going to go. Just, just write and then write some more and then write some more.
1: Well, I can really appreciate how you've taken such a complex issue like, in search for Allah and then also the Zakat book and even in the um, Eid book you even bring in kind of like other religions and interfaith and understanding especially for Muslim American kids who every year you know they see um, Halloween they see Thanksgiving they see Christmas they see all these other holidays and how they're celebrated so widely right. and then for them to be able to see that in a book like hey this kid is going through what I'm going through and so bringing that into kind of this beautiful format and well written English you know which Oh, thank you, you know, that's like really important. Um, so I think there's definitely the value that you're bringing as far as, you know, having these books for the children. But then you also mentioned you do like youth workshops and things like that. And I think that's a huge value as well, where these 12, 13 young kids can see, okay, I could actually be an author. Right. Here's a Muslim, Muslim author that's coming from my religion and my perspective. And I can add something to the, you know, the canon of literature out there. Right. And so do you want to speak a little bit about um, kind of the influence that you're able to have with the youth and the youth that you've worked with?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do more of the storytime shows than, than the youth talks at this point, but the, the, few, you know, the youth talks, I really... Um, I really want to do more and more of those youth talks because I feel like if somebody was talking to me in the way that I feel like I can, I can um, talk to young kids now based on my experience, it would be really helpful to put things into perspective in a different way, right? You know? So, um, what I do talk about with youth is, um, I help them understand and kind of frame, uh, life, I guess. I take on this challenge of helping them understand what life is about mm-hmm. at an early age because, I, like I said, if I had, uh, had gained a perspective why I go to school, why I do homework, um, why I do certain things in a way that 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 is at my level, um, I think that would have been helpful in kind of motivating me to, to set myself up for success in the future. And success for everybody is different, right? So what I try to do is I try to frame life and I say, okay, you know here you are today and here's the you know here you are when you're really really old and and what it, what what are the more meaningful mi- milestones you're going to have in your life and people say hey maybe i'm going to go to the movies i was like okay maybe a little bit more meaningful like mm-hmm. getting married getting a house getting a job those kinds of things right and then i say well is this it it, it wh- you know is this all you have to look forward to and so I try to in- encourage them to find a purpose, a more meaningful purpose in life. I don't define that for them, but I help them think about it. And, um, and as, and, and as a result, I help them, uh, try to, uh, figure out what that purpose is going to be for them individually so that they can, they can try to do things that are actually bigger than they are mm-hmm. individually. to to what whether it's a project whether it's a business like you guys are doing this podcast I think you're reaching a lot of a lot of people with 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 you know uh, great personalities and uh, information so I think that's valuable for for your audience and
3: so this is good and and not just you know getting out there and and doing what you're passionate about but doing it well I feel like that's really important with our community is that you take on this project and you put a hundred percent into it in terms of quality in terms of production Whatever your niche is or your effort is related to, put a hundred percent into it. Don't, you know, don't don't make a precedence for bad quality. Right. Because that was some a, a problem within our community while we were growing up, and kind of we lost kind of respect for you know a lot of effort that was being done by sincere individuals. And I'm just talking about being a, a kid. I'm not trying to put down anyone's effort, like our uncles and our parents and whatnot, all the work they did. May or reward them, but. Um, i think just by looking at your book books, right? The high quality stuff. I mean this is stuff that would be in any school. Um yeah. this is like stuff that a lot of effort was put into it in terms of the art, in terms of the, the quality of production in in general. Thank you, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I think um like you're talking about you're you're helping these kids frame Uh, a purpose for their lives that's a pretty hefty challenge so how have you kind of uh tackled that challenge and
2: i I do it all the time with my young kids okay right at home i try to like the homework thing let me just give you something really simple um so for me and for a lot of kids homework is a pain right you have to do it and you have to do it because oftentimes our parents are telling us to get good grades why are they telling us to get good grades because they love us and they want us to get good grades so that we get into a good college. And then we can get to a good medical school. And, or <laughs> a medical school, right? So, and, and they define that path for us sometimes, and they almost quote unquote, in, in not in a bad way, but they brainwash us to think, uh, that career path uh, as a doctor. So, um, you know, why do we do certain things like this is because our parents are influencing us, because they love us, they want us to have a good job, a good paying job, so that we are secure when, when we get older. I mean, that's really their, their, their point in doing that. But what I try to help kids understand and parents that are in the room understand is this. Number one, you don't do homework so you can get a good grade. You should be looking at homework as a, as a way in different subjects to, as a way to actually learn the material. Whether you like it or not, learn the material because it's awesome. It's awesome to know things, right? It's awesome to exercise your mind and because you're going to use it one day in ways that you can't even imagine, okay? So just do the homework to learn. I guarantee you, when you approach homework that way, you're going to come home, do it, learn, raise your hand in class, learn some more, and, and as a result, I guarantee you that uh, you will get the grade that your parents want. And in the process, you'll actually learn things that you might not have known about yourself and what you actually like. So that sets you on a path, perhaps, of finding what you want to do in life. Maybe it's not medicine, Maybe uh, you want to, you know, you're an electrical, well, mechanical, mechanical, enge- maybe you want to be a mechanical engineer, although yeah. that's also know, a played out. That's, uh, uh, that's also, maybe you want to be a journalist, maybe or an author may- of
1: children's books or,
2: or, or an author of children's books. I think, I think, you know, those kinds, some things just happen yeah. as a, as a function of daily experiences and, and different times in your life. Like for me with these books, right? I never, I was never really good in English class. Um, I didn't really get good grades for the most part because I was, I didn't have a good perspective on life. And I was also an immigrant here. You know, I came from Saudi Arabia, um, and trying to assimilate. I think, you know, you get lost in, in that as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that was my background, but, and that's my excuse for, for being lost. But, um, yeah, no, I, th- I think kids need, um, this kind of perspective. It doesn't matter who you are as a child, but, and I think parents need that too. I think parents need to understand that kids have their own unique skills and characteristics that they should, they should recognize early on to to the extent possible. Some kids are very easy to, to spot that out, right? To look at their kid and be like, this kid, you know, he's really good at, or she's really good at this. Right. And, but some other kids are more difficult. So as a parent, it's very, very important to recognize your, the skill sets your child naturally has mm-hmm. and then, and then encourage and, and develop those further yeah. because that will lead, because those skill sets and what that kid does naturally without being told is really what that kid's going to be always be doing, you know, at some, you know, uh, at some point in the future. Like I look at myself, like I used to like creating things. Mm-hmm. I used to do like these, um, schematics of, um, video games like the different screens. And then, uh so I look at all the, like a lot of the different things that I used to do in the past, and now it's all like culminating and coming together in what I do and I love to do in, in these books, in, in addition to writing.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. that's amazing you said that because um just, I'm from an IT background, and I work with a whole lot of different systems and whatnot and putting together things. And well, when we were launching this podcast, I was able to pull all those kind of Uh, skills together it wasn't related to what i was doing in terms of um technically speaking but in the the approach and how to troubleshoot things and how to you know make everything work in harmony it was uh it it was able to to tremendously help me yeah and you did it
2: and and and, and you you know you did it because you have a full-time job you did it on the side and you didn't mind doing it. Yeah. You didn't mind spending the extra time because you actually enjoyed it. You knew you can figure things out. And that's yeah. actually not to t- go on tangent again. But one of the main things that I try to point out to young kids is, look, uh, getting, even if you get good grades, if, if that's done in the form of like just regurgitating what you w- for the test, that, that means nothing. Like I think what separates people is their ability, like as a, a, our brain is a computer processor, right? That's yeah, really what it is, right. right? So our, our processing power and our ability to take different point, um, uh, pieces of information and make sense of it, right? That, that's really what separates one person from another. And when you could do that, what happens is because you don't have the answers for everything in life, right? You come across problems and challenges. So it's your ability to figure things out and have confidence in yourself. That you are going to leverage your skill sets and figure things out, and and for the gaps that you have in your skill sets, you're going to partner and team up with somebody to fill those gaps and to create something and move forward. Yeah,
3: you said something important about um, identifying talents within your kids. I know Summer works a lot with this. Summer, do you, do you have anything to add on?
1: Well, I was going to say, Marshall, I really like the point that you brought up. You know, with Ilyas and Doc, you've kind of realized you're taking all these things that you used to do in your childhood and, you know, later on, and it's kind of amalgamated into this passion project for you. Right. And... Um, whenever you're speaking with the youth, I know that that's a really big point to also make that, you know, maybe you are really good at one thing or maybe you're good at a lot of things. And so a lot of kids have that, you know, OK, if I'm also good at one, two, three things, should I define myself? Should I label myself as, you know, just this one thing or is it OK to be well-rounded and then somehow bring those skill sets together and you know that's the kind of person that they are, and so right. um, being able to appreciate the different skill sets and being okay with that, as opposed to saying, "Okay, I'm just good at bio. I'm going to stick to bio and be a doctor and be set for life," you right.
2: know? Right. And and oftentimes young kids don't know like what they're really good at. Right. They don't even they don't they're not even aware that they're doing something, whether it be uh, they're drawing something. Like my my middle my middle child, he's ten, and he on his own when he has free time. He'll, uh, he'll, you know, uh, draw. He'll he'll draw character upon character upon character, and I see him doing that on his own, and and I know that that's never going to leave him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, creating these characters is somehow is going to come back, in, you know, as an adult, and I hope that he continues to do that now and doesn't deviate from it and then have to come back to it because that's a that's a longer route, right? right. And exactly. I think
1: mindful parenting is really. The key there, right? So a parent who is observing their child and able to see that and pick up on that and then nurture that. Like, okay, sure. let me supplement him with, you know, whatever could really help him grow and nurture in that well, area. What,
3: can you expand on that? What What's mindful parenting in terms of...
1: Well, I feel like mindful parenting is really when you're... Interacting with your child in a full conversation or you're really watching what they're do- doing even like silently. You're and aware. Sometimes, Right. You're really aware of what they're doing okay. without necessarily interjecting. You know, like my boys, they love playing with Legos. And of course, I want to be like, hey, well, this would be a better wing right. for your airplane. But instead, you know, to take a step back and just watch. And see how they put their ideas together and how they build and how they cooperate with one another. And even if you do that, you know, for like 15 minutes, half an hour, you really get to see their personality. And engaging with them in conversations, like when I turn my phone off and like put it away and like, okay, let me really listen to their question. Let me really engage in that deep conversation with them. And I think that's that's a huge part of the mindful parenting, you know?
3: Yeah, and you're not inhibiting their creativity by adding your own stuff in there. Right. Let them figure things out by themselves and uh I think we we always have that as parents where we wanna show them the be- the best the right route way. the short, yeah right. the shortest route possible and let them not kinda take the pitfalls that we took you know in right. in anything so right and now supplement like
0: the whole and this ties into like when the kids are young when I was a kid, I remember elementary school, I was interested in like i think three things presidents dinosaurs and like marine life (laughs) okay like i just i don't know what what happened i just you know remember the scholastic book fairs used to come to our schools they still do yeah they still do okay i you know that was like my favorite time of the year yeah (laughs) and i remember every summer there'd be the the book club at the library i usually plow through about 50 books a summer and my parents supplement that they would i don't think they were conscious that they like okay i was interested in marine life so we'd go to sea world now sea world's like were well, blackmailed right or blacklisted <laughs> because of uh right, right, you know yeah. what's that uh, that Sh- that yeah, yeah. yeah. shampoo right right, you know but the point is that they supplemented that if if I was interested in dinosaurs like a reward for me to take me to the museum or the president we were in washington dc that's great so to the they, White House.
2: they were aware and they're encouraging and they're 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 aware of your interest and and they're trying to promote that in, in any way they can right now what happens though still with i think our parents maybe our immigrant is that okay that's
0: just interest that's not something you can do as a career so like as you get older and older they're like well you need to focus on hope and then you know when you're six or seven years old they're definitely encouraging that and everyone all the uncles and aunties in your community are like yeah this kid's a genius in this stuff, but then they don't like actually put two and two together. They don't like, understand how, to, okay. how, how you can like, right. like keep that yeah, going. And so I get the middle school and then it's all about, okay, now you gotta start we're about SATs. Right. And all that's, now it's like, okay, now it's about that grind without that connection. Right. And one thing we can encourage maybe as far as homework goes is, like example, the homework example you mentioned is like supplementing that. So let's say you have a history class, then parents should, I don't know, not everyone's in a position to do this, but like go to historical sites. For example, yeah. like you start right. American history, you know, go to Sides, go to Gettysburg or right. wherever, I think, right?
1: I think that's even a generational thing because a lot of our parents were first-generation immigrant parents. Their focus was, okay, my child needs to be in a stable and economically viable career, you know. And then now that our generation is, like, infiltrated with doctors and engineers and, you know, much really successful people – now it's kind of our kids where we can say, okay, you can explore the humanities. It's okay. It's okay to think about writing and art and being in art and different things like that because that um, pressure for economic viability is not there as much as it was with our parents. And
0: also I think they felt like there were certain fields that we would be successful at, like from a demographic perspective. My dad used to always say, you know, I was, inter- I was always reading books. In high school, I would read books on like on money and stuff like – you know, rich dad, poor dad, or Cashflow Quadrant, etc.
1: You're reading that in high school? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so not just video games. You're also interested in you know what I mean? for
0: <laughs> But you know, so I was like interested in like doing a business major in undergrad. Like I really didn't have the engine. Like I was interested in electronic electricity and magnetism in second grade, and then it kind of went away. But I remember reading those books. But then my dad was like, you know, that's for white people. It's not. It's not for us. Really? You know, because like you won't cut it. Like it's too like competitive, and just because of the color of your skin. You know you're not going to cut it, and then you realize later as you get older that that wasn't true because yeah. there are people who well, are see the thing low. is
2: the thing is your father and, and no fault of his. Like he's coming from a different perspective. I imagine he wasn't he wasn't raised here right in the U.S. So he's coming from a perspective back home wherever that is, East Pakistan, Bangladesh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. and that's how they that that's how they were raised. And it's a totally different ballgame, especially, you know, so not only is it different culture here in the U.S. and the opportunities or whatever you make them, right? You make your own opportunities. But because of technological advances and how the world is changing so fast, parents need to understand that the, the, the game has changed totally. Like the old school um, method of going to school, get a good job, you know, like rich dad, poor dad, what, what he talks about. Like that's what we're brainwashed to think. Go to school. Get a job so you can make money so you can buy the things that you need to buy so you can try to now make more money so you can buy more things. And it's just this vicious cycle, which becomes a rat race. That's really what we're brainwashed to to think for the most part. And, but today you can be an entrepreneur at 10 years old. You know, you can learn how to code apps and get flappy birds out there and, you know, and start making, you you don't have to wait. This is one of the other things that I, I tell young kids is like, I think oftentimes we think, and at least I used to think that Okay, life is, and maybe this is with subconscious, is like life is going to start after I go to college and get a job, right? So then in the meantime, all you're doing is playing video games, running around and struggling to do homework and all that stuff because life is going to start later on. But that's not really the case today. Like life can start, like when I say life, meaning that you can actually start earning a living and buying your own peanut butter and jelly sandwiches today, right? You don't have to rely on mom and you can do that. So, so, and that's powerful that, 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 when that whole game changes, parents need to understand that and then raise their kids accordingly. I'll give you an example. I have three kids. So, uh, they play with a lot of other kids in the neighborhood and, um... So recently, uh, I was, I was away traveling and then my wife told me that my kids, uh, and some other, uh, some, some other, uh, you know, kid from the neighborhood, they went around and st- they started a company called, I don't know, they just called it TEG. I don't know. T-E-G. I don't even know what it means, but literally uh, they were going around and knocking on people's doors and then they did this totally on their own. And I don't know if they did this because they see dad, you know, not only writing children's books, but you know, there's a whole business side, entrepreneurial side to this. So hopefully I encourage them, but they go around knocking on people's doors and cleaning up their lawn. So whatever they want, whatever you want, we'll do it for you. We can do this and they give you the options. And my, my middle child who draws a lot, he had create because he sees me create flyers. So he had created flyers and he would be handing out flyers. Yeah. So that got me inspired. I was like, all right, that's just, this is awesome. So I was like, all right, you guys continue doing this. Now we're going to create another company and I want you to start doing, you know, I, and then like I'm trying to like, have kids work for me now. <laughs> so <laughs> Watch like. Watch
1: out, child labor law. Gonna so I
2: got my kids and the neighborhood kids, like, uh, they, they, I t- I gave them all roles to do and then they start creating soap and sell soap door to door. And I think that experience, if they're able to do this, that experience will give them, uh, more understanding of, of people and, and money and how things work. At such an early age. which, which And which they would, can
3: set up fight clubs, too. <laughs> <You> I <think> can so. <laughs> Selling their soap
2: That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that.
3: Sorry. Some yeah, that's a, might that's have... a throwback right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's segue back to uh, the actual character. So Ilyas and Duck. Duck, when, before I, I heard one of your interviews in the past, and you had mentioned that you were a big fan of like Daffy Duck. Yeah. And... I actually was surprised by your answer a little bit because whenever I think about characters or things like that and if I and I I work through that kind of process in my head I just think about the first animal that comes in my head maybe duck did come to your head and I just kind of run with it I'm like for me it wouldn't make a difference if it was a duck or a cat or a tiger so like what is it about Daffy Duck that really like did it for you. I mean, I guess you could think about. It. There's also Darkwing Duck and Ducktales and all that stuff. Or yeah. was it was it Daffy Duck specifically, or are you just a fan of like all these
2: other duck characters as well? No, I, it's not ducks in general.
0: A but duck it
1: obsession.
2: Was, no, no, it was it was nothing like that. It wasn't duck obsession. And then within that, it was Daffy Duck. No, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like that. I think it was just the uh, the dynamic between the ducks. Uh, Daffy Duck's personality individually, like on his own, I think was just hilarious he wasn't entirely he was funny he was it was just funny because of the things that he did he was physically
3: he has physical comedy to him and then also um i don't know his he, he was a, he was a bugs bunny's rival that was my main yeah. reason why i like daffy duck because everyone liked bugs bunny and i'm like I hated Bugs Bunny yeah. just because everyone liked him. He was so just—I so like, wanted dog. to help for the underdog. Yeah. underdog. he was just so clever, at Bugs yeah. Bunny. So their, and their dynamic
2: was really what made that show Bugs right. Bunny and Daffy Duck. So uh, I don't know. It, it just you know the characters just appealed to me, and and when I was creating my character, my my the first book. Um, and I didn't really know it was going to be a series at the time, so I just wanted to do like we were talking about before uh, offline. Is like you want to create something, you want to just do the best job you can, not knowing how it's going to turn out, and where it's going to go. So I wanted to do the best job I can, and obviously when I'm thinking about my own character now, uh, inspired by Daffy Duck, I wanted my own duck, right? Because ducks
3: are fun; they can be funny and they're cute. Who doesn't yeah. like ducks, right? You can so, have pet ducks too. I mean, was, you can. Yeah, yeah. I know what one of my coworkers has. A few ducks that you know uh, that they take care of, and they all come back to his house in his garage. And I think they even walk around his house. See, but, yeah, yeah. That's just the sound of that. It's just really cool. Yeah, it's just it's cute. Awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I ducks think a duck was awesome. a good choice.
3: Yeah. So and and what's Ilyas
0: Who's Ilyas about?
2: Uh, I mean, Ilyas is uh he. He's like the main. He's really the main character. Although Duck, I think, oftentimes takes the spotlight um, just because of his antics. But but Elias is the the more curious, inquisitive. Uh, type of young kids he i think he hopefully he resembles um many young kids um whether it be a boy or a girl in the way they think and and see the world so that that's his role
3: do you dare to kind of answer some more difficult questions that a lot of parents kind of get faced with by by their kids like for example my daughter uh recently asked "Oh well why did god create everything when when he knows well, what the result is of everything, you know, you have oh. some of these type of questions that come from a little yeah. child and you're like, where did you come up with this? Mm-hmm. That's, and, that's, that's
2: deep. That's deep. I mean, yeah. uh, that's like a it's circular reference. Yeah.
3: You're, you're like, <laughs> man, I'm, I used to think about this at 14, 15. How are you? You know, it's, I it's a, it. a, it's a testament to society. I think now, nowadays where our kids are being bombarded with all these different ideas and they're making conclusions at much earlier ages than, we would have, and I'm like, man, I was so stupid when I was 12 and 14. <laughs> These kids are like doing things that are yeah. just, well, yeah, all you gotta so tell her is
0: like know. the Salaf used to say that <laughs> people who ask about Qadr lead the kufer to, it leads the Kufr or something like that. <laughs> and then she'll like, she'll get it. Yeah, definitely. No, no but, um,
3: <laughs> I, and, and I'm not talking about that type of a question, but, um, What's next in terms of writing and what kind of uh, other topics do you dare to kind of explore?
2: Well, I'll say this first and foremost is that, um, I, I don't, like, although these books are, have, I guess, um, topics that specifically relate to Muslims. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't try, like, I, I wanted to have characters, the Muslim characters that, that spoke to an audience that really did not have, uh, characters that they could relate to yeah like there was a big gap in, in the in the u s market specifically um for culturally oriented characters that that you know relate to a lot of Muslims regardless of where you're from right so um and in, in order to do that I had to talk about um, topics that directly and, and parent that p- parents recognize these characters as Muslim characters because of the topics um uh, but you know i I don't through these topics I don't try to preach religion that's not my goal right i never i, I even even in helping my kid you know my, my son answer the question of where is allah i mean that was his question because his his identity is muslim and that's what he was just curious about but it was my, my response to it wasn't trying to teach him religion it was more of a philosophical response yeah right it's it's more of a let me try to help you understand the world right, right? because it, it's kind of complicated and uh and so i don't try to teach Religion through these books. I don't preach, and that's not my goal. My goal is always to try to entertain and and communicate an idea and a thought in, in a in a
3: in a powerful way. And right. and I think building uh, the correct frame of thought so that the right answers are able to emanate from the right thoughts. So building the correct type of thinking is a careful process. Um, being able to teach a child how to use. The reality around them and use their tools that are that they're kind of built with to evaluate whatever's around them and build the correct conclusions based off of that. So, for example, you know, you know, sometimes we look at when we're trying to make a decision on, let's say, buying a house or something, uh, or marrying the girl uh, of your dreams, and you look at all the signs around you. You're like, oh, this is a sign, and that's a sign, and you you look at any other thing in your life, you would never use those. That type of a thinking towards such an important decision. But all of a sudden, when it comes to certain thoughts and or decisions, you end up using things that are not, uh, the right conclusions or coming to the right conclusions right. is something that kind of happens at this age. I think when you show them like
1: the critical know, thinking skills. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah it's that's bizarre. really what it, that's really what it is. Like yeah. I find that it's so difficult sometimes to
2: talk to your kids because they tune you out, right? You, because it becomes a lecture. You really want to explain to them, and you really want to take your time and and drill down, and but, but then you lose. But their they, attention runoff. span is like 10 they're, seconds. There you you're go. Like, you lost gotta, them. Yeah. You lost them. But a story, they'll sit through an hour and a half of a movie, right? An animated movie, which is an entire story in a beautiful way, right? And, and same thing with books. Books won't, books won't take an hour and a half, but the story part of it, right? That aspect of it, and the, and the powerful, you know, whatever you're trying to communicate through that story is still uh you know possible and to keep their attention for a longer period of time where you're not like lecturing to them right so you, for me writing these books was um helping them understand things that I naturally as a parent want them to understand about the world and that they're going to ask about anyway um in a, in a way that um they'll actually pay attention to because yeah. they they're, they're not listening to me right but, but, but they're going to listen to Elias and Duck yeah. but Elias and Duck is really my voice I mean, for my own personal, you know, my family, right? It's really my voice communicating to my kids.
1: So, do you feel like when you're having those conversations with your kids, you're like, "Hey, that could be the next book," or are now, you looking? Yes. Yeah,
2: now yes, and okay. and my daughter, she's she's like so much more advanced than than my boys are. Okay. She's only seven, and she's coming up with ideas left and right, and and she doesn't, yeah, she's she's, I, she's my like. Protégé, I would say. Nice. And uh, I, I, I pick her brain a lot now. Okay. So your your boys are the two oldest, and then your daughter is the third? Yes. Cool, cool. Yeah.
0: Do, do your kids, like, have they fanboyed you yet, kind of? Because you're Elias and Ducks author. Like, that's my dad. Are they, like, bragging about it? Do you get that vibe, or is there a disconnect there? Do they understand that, really? No, the boys don't really care.
2: They don't really care? No, I, I think they get it. Uh, I shouldn't say they don't really care. It's just not, you know... It, it it was really cool uh, in the beginning uh, when I first wrote the book and they were younger and they saw hey dad has name on the book, um, but uh, they're just kind of running around doing their thing now. Whereas the daughter
1: they've got their own businesses to worry about. That's now it. She, they
2: know. got the soap <laughs> yeah, the, the soap <laughs> business the Fight Club going on. Yeah, right. Um, but the girl she's like Yasmin. She's 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 uh, I don't know I don't know what to say about her. She's uh, oh. She gets it. She, she's really into the fact that, you know, the other day I, I you know, I, I encourage parents, um, to do bedtime with their kids a lot, regardless of whether you're reading a book or not, right? Because I just, for me as a, as a dad, you know, you're running around, um, working nonstop and you come home and just in time, maybe hopefully for bed. It, it, I think it's a great time just to just kind of lay down with them and just chat. How was your day? And this and that. She asked me that all the time. So how was your day? Yeah. And, um, and that starts the conversation. I really enjoy that time. So, the, the other day, I was like, you know, I'm going to record just for me. Like, oh, not not even for me, just for her. One day when I'm gone, she can look at dad and have that, you know, that bedtime conversation. Because some of the most interesting conversations for me uh, happened during our bedtime. We can, it's, it's just like me and my child. And so I sat there with my camera and we did a selfie and we did a whole video. And it was just me and her talking. And it was just, it was really cool. I, I encourage parents to find different ways of connecting with their with, with their kids. Do you think there's a threshold, like?
0: Cause my, I have a maybe there's a. You could probably allude to this a little bit. You have both. Uh, you have a daughter and two sons. Uh, my daughter, she's three, and, you, and you're talking about how kids on this tune you out. But if I talk to her, she'll just keep talking to me. Like she won't like. She's it, a, it, she's it, a girl. That's why okay. girls will do that. Wait till you have a boy. Okay, is there? But even with the boys, did you feel like they're always
2: like? no attention span what's from yeah. the time they were kids yeah, yeah. okay they're so- hyper my, my boys especially they, I mean I was really hyper as a kid and I thought it was funny but it's not funny anymore you know it's like my kids are super hyper they're like me squared yeah. and and it's coming back to you know haunt me uh, but, but yeah you know you kind of deal you, you deal with your kids uh, you have to understand who your kids are and kind of deal with them that way And if they're not listening, like if they're, if if what you're saying to them, they don't have the attention span for it, but you really didn't get your point across, you have to find different ways uh, and, and different ways of uh, just kind of helping them understand things and also say it in different ways. Like it's not helpful to say the same thing over and over. And if your kid's not getting it, just kind of repeating that process. Right. And, or even saying it slower, do your homework. Like it it doesn't, it's the same words. You know, so you have to try different ways of of showing them what you mean. Just curious though, as as, as
0: I'm dealing with this challenge personally, when they're acting up, what do you like? <laughs> like, is is do you have a red pill? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like I mean, the kid will go the temp. Like, she woke up at four in the morning today, asking for pizza, yeah. and we couldn't give her pizza at four in the morning, and she just went nuts. Yeah. Like, and then my wife's like, "I'm gonna put you in time. You want a timeout?" Like timeouts don't really. She's like she gets used to like those kind of punishments, right? Like, what do you do? And maybe at three, they even get it. Like, they do, they do. Just give them the pizza.
3: There's no pizza <laughs> at 4 a.m. The <laughs> door is open. You got to keep some frozen pizza on. I'm a big pizza fan, so
2: yeah, oh, this is challenge. It's, look, you, you have to establish your role as a parent, and you you have to do the more difficult thing. Dads tend to want to just give in, especially to daughters, right? Oh yeah, she wants that. No, come on, honey, she just wants it. Just give it to her. But the thing is, that adds up. That adds up, and before you know it, they're just kind of running the show. Yeah, and then you, you'll you'll raise a daughter who's
0: gonna be a you know a man hating you know diva. wife diva. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having
2: her husband nuts she, oh no you don't <laughs> like she's gonna tell you dad you're not gonna work today you're gonna take me here you're gonna do this you're going you, you know, take me like, shopping you're gonna to yeah. sephora yeah <laughs> so so, <laughs> so you, ha- you have to kind of like set some ground rules and and, and that requires uh perhaps like time out and and kind of like staring at them until they stare away you know and then, until they look away it's like establishing who's the boss right kind of deal i don't use
0: time out as frequently as my wife does but i think my timeouts are harsher
1: I think um, like what you're saying with your daughter at three, she's asking for something that's illogical and irrational. And my boys do stuff like that all the time, you know, like, and that's kind of an age thing. So yeah, setting those boundaries and limits, that's really important. And then once they understand, okay, I'm not going to get that. And then uh, oftentimes I'll offer an alternative. So maybe they want pizza, but all I've got is a banana. So, you know, like you're, you're building in some other autonomy or some other choice in there for them and they're able to deal with that situation, but then they also understand okay they're not going to run out and get me something that's ridiculous you know and at three years old you gotta you gotta expect some ridiculous questions they're just gonna come and there's that's part of being three
3: (laughs) there's no magic pill to parenting whoever's telling you that they're by going to a certain lecture or whatever you'll find out what to do with your kids there's no way every kid is born with their own personality yeah you there's nobody who can tell you that this is the way to do it you have to find out just like how we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, how every kid that comes with their own skill sets and whatnot, you're finding out their strength. Every kid also has their own personality. And you have to kind of figure out on the fly how to deal with the, those kind of personalities right. and and identifying them. And well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll of- tell you one thing that, um, that really bothered me when,
2: like, as I was having my first, like, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Like years ago, and I tell this story in 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 a, in a different way to young kids. You know, the button. You were at the show summer, mm-hmm. uh, and and the button factory, and and then you know, the, yeah. my boss asked me to do work over and over again. So what what really happened actually is um, at the time this was like obviously my son's twelve, so it was like twelve years ago. I was in New York working in corporate America, and I climbed the corporate ladder. And thought I was headed in the right direction. And then, and of course, I'm expecting my child. And then I had all these thoughts about who I was going to be. What kind of dad was I going to be? And, and at that point, I, up to that point, I didn't feel like I had accomplished much. Like when I started thinking about all this stuff, as now as a father, now I have this other person coming into my life, right? Uh, besides my wife that I had to now start thinking about and that they're going to look up to me, right? Nobody else, like at that point in time, nobody was looking at me like, oh, you know, I want to be like this guy and no nobody does that like I was just just an average Joe right trying to cooperate you know live in America so um well when my wife was pregnant with him I started having all these thoughts I was you know what am I gonna, what kind of father am I going to be Yeah he's naturally going to look up at, to me because I'm his father right but that I don't want things by default so I said okay am I he's going to be able to look at me and say well you know he's done something more meaningful in life he he makes a difference in other people's lives because to me that's really what defines people right all these greats and that you hear about they're great because of their skill set but they're also great because they made an impact on others right somehow and that's really, I think, what it boils down to. So when I look back at my life at, to, to that point in time, I, I didn't feel like, and I'm kind of hard on myself, but I didn't feel like I had accomplished much. And now I had this little child that was going to be looking up to me. So for me, I didn't want to be the type of dad that, um, that when my son was a little bit older, asked me certain questions and I would tell him, no, you should do this. This is how it's done. And then they would look at me and say, well, you didn't do that. You know, I didn't want to be in a position where they can say, well, you didn't do that or you don't do that, right? So I had this, like, moment where ultimately I ended up quitting my job and said, look, I have to do something different and go on a different path and try to make a, a more meaningful life, try to make an impact on others. And then years and years later, here you have these books and I'm around doing these shows So that initial thought years and years ago, and 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 that thought set me on a direction that was different than the the, the direction I was headed on with corporate America that ultimately led because I was thinking in the right way, that ultimately led to something I had no idea it was going to lead to, but it ultimately led to something where when I saw it, I said, yes, this this is what I want to do more of because this is consistent with what I thought about years and years ago and what I've been thinking about wanted to do so um uh, for for me the you know you asked that question a long time ago you know at the beginning of the show is like what motivated you to do that partly it was
3: because it's been coming for a long time in my mind i can't tell you how many people just come up to us and tell us your show is difficult to listen to because there's so many people who are doing some amazing things and i'm not doing anything Uh, What kind of advice would you give them other than quit their job and, you know, uh, (laughs) go and uh, figure things out on the road, I guess? But how how would you answer that? Before you – I want to
0: add this to uh, Sim's question. Like – when you answer that, talk to us a little bit about what you were doing as your career in New York. And then you mentioned yeah. quitting and then you still do something else. This isn't, you're like, your only, no, uh, no you're not no. a one trick pony, right? No. So no, talk, I, talk a little bit about that as, as well as you uh, answer that question. Cause I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are just over, like, they're like, I can't do that. And uh, to me, I'm like, it just pisses me off. when People
3: say that. Like, yeah, I can't do like, I'm like, dude, like for real, it's the, the limitations are in their mind. You, I think I, they were in my mind too. I think, it took a lot of therapy from other podcasts like Tim Ferriss and whatnot that kind of really helped me break out of that mold and 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 trying to figure out like hey you can do other things too other than just your regular job yeah
2: like okay so so what what was I doing at the time when I, when you know I had all these thoughts um, I was working at Estee Lauder. And and no, I wasn't the guy that sprays you at Macy's. Oh, good. So I I was doing something a little bit more meaningful. So I I started in 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 their factory in Melville, New York, and I actually really enjoyed that job. So if you if you remember the uh, not remember, but like have seen the I I Love Lucy episodes where you know there's a there's a there's a conveyor belt with product coming down the road, you know the line and and people on the line producing it, And, and so that was that was me as a supervisor watching those people and like producing these products, right? So ultimately worked up the corporate ladder where uh i i I was in a role um at one point where i was creating the products i was working with design and marketing to create the products all right so that's what i was doing but you know that's cosmetics it's superficial and and again that's really what um was part of trying to understand whether i was doing something more meaningful um and so so your question about what i would tell people that so i i think number one it's good that they're having those those thoughts right because that's really what started it for me um is is trying to think about well i want to do more that's really what they're saying i want to do more i just don't know what it is what that more is okay which is fine right so i would say that um first say that uh what you're doing today to to feed yourself meaning in in your job if that's if that you can't grow that and you don't see that as part of doing more then you have to spend the time outside of your job um, kind of understanding who you are, uh, your skill sets and doing something more, more or less as a hobby, right? Just to do something and, and think about it in terms of, okay, well, how can you do something that helps other people? Because at the end of the day, I think that's really what, um, when, when you could do something that when it grows, it gets bigger than you are individually, then, 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 then you're headed around the right path. So, um, if people don't know what to do, that's fine. I think if you had the idea that you want to do something different, it's your, you're already on that path. You got to come across people, uh, uh, that, that might, you can partner with to, to, to create things. Nowadays, it's so much easier. Like you guys are creating this podcast, right? I mean, years ago, you would have to have a whole studio, right? You have the okay. radio show, you have to have FCC licenses and, and all that stuff. But today we're, we're, we're here and in this, in this basement and, and we're, we're, we're on, right? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think, um, just the advancements of technology have, have allowed everyone to get more creative and, and, and build their own websites and build their own um, blogs, mailing lists. You know, everyone has a voice now. And, um, if you don't want to go out and do it yourself, you can always, you know, partner up with uh, individuals like us or yeah. whoever, whatever organization you have or around you, you can always kind of jump in and, be a part of something. It the thing is, the
2: thing is, uh, people normally don't do something because they're just afraid, right? Or they don't know how to do something. Yeah. Which, which, which really should not be an excuse to, today, right? Because. It, 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 you really should be doing something that's along the lines of your skill sets and some understanding, right? Because that gives you the starting point. And then you can Google your way through everything else, right? Or partner with somebody. So people don't normally uh, – they, they normally don't start something in my uh, – like from, from my experience. is because they're just afraid. And like if you just start to an- try to answer like what are you afraid of? What's going to happen – just think about it. 30 years from now, if you look back, like well, I shouldn't – you're probably going to say I should not have been afraid. Like I should have just done it. You don't want to be in that position, right? And you know, and before we wrap up, I think the
0: the point I that you alluded to before is that you know when your wife was pregnant with your first child and you're thinking about how do I want this kid to look up to me, just my default. I think it's almost like we're telling parents out there, if you're not doing something, like if all you're doing is your day job and that's it, like you know, you want to like have your kids like like really look up to you i'm sh- oh sit, like god. talk a little bit about your because your Dude. kids are grown they understand it oh my right? god i got a With story med- for looks. you man
3: all right my wife she's an amazing lady she does a, a whole lot and she was talking about she she was uh volunteering for cup scouts or whatever on the weekend and she was saying that uh they needed some more uh volunteers mommy volunteers to come you know help out and you know, give a, a little bit of their time towards the effort. You know, Muslim Cub Scouts is, is uh its a small effort. It might require about an hour or two. And uh, you know, all these mommies were on the list or whatever. She's, not, they don't listen to this podcast, so I'm not—I'm not, <laughs> not going to upset anyone. <laughs> so this one lady, she just went ballistic. She's like, "I thought I could come and drop my kid off off the weekend, and you know, just take off. Basically, it was a little babysitting." Expedition for her. So where, you know, she can just drop off her kids and not having, not have to invest any time in, into the effort of Boy Scouts. But it it speaks to us as a community in terms of where, you know, our heads are at. It's at sometimes it's not everyone and it's, but we, we need to kind of have a wake up call. (laughs) If anything was, would have woken us up by now would have been the whole Trump phenomenon that, you know, hey, we need to get our, Ish together and, you know, get, uh, get organized, get, you know, start working with each other and, you know, stop letting small differences, um, disable or prevent cooperation among, among us. But, um, I think, uh, I think if, if we can just kind of prioritize things in, in that respect, I think we can just go a long way.
0: Yeah. But I wanted you to talk about like your, like, how have you seen your kids? react to you differently because now you're like the star of the mad mom Luke's.
3: no oh my my kids uh they i i've seen them uh do they listen to the show yeah well they listen to the show once in a while but you know I, i've wondered about that i'm like how do i get my teenage daughter to listen to the mad mom Luke's? because that that's kind of my litmus test to see yeah. if other teenagers would kind of listen to our show and um well, they're not going to listen yeah. to this
2: show. This is all about parenting yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
3: So I, th- I think <laughs> I, I'm not aiming for her as a demographic yet. I'm trying to improve, or I think we are all trying to improve each other, you know, Um, in terms of us 30-somethings who kind of grew up with immigrant parents, and a lot of us went to all these different schools, um, whether it's Al-Maghrib or, you know, uh, all the different institutes, you know, Zaytuna and whatever throughout the country, and, and all of us are now kind of early 40s, late 30s, and we're trying to figure out, well, how do I spend our time? How do we spend our time towards uh, the Muslim community, and how do we kind of move forward? And hopefully, we can kind of share some ideas through this podcast and yeah. and come but up let- with something better. But no, my, my kids do not listen to this podcast, but I did see my son. He uh, was sitting on a mic and pretending to be me, and he was giving the introduction, and I, I saw uh, Summer's son also, Summer is my, uh, sister-in-law. So my, my nephew and my son were sitting on the mic and they were pretending to be hosts and whatnot. So it's kind well, of
2: Well, see, see, just because they're doing that, they're expressing, uh, that, that you know, how you are inspiring them. Yeah. Um, and, so I think that so that's what you were getting at and that's exactly the point is is as parents and just as individuals even if you're not a parent you're just a brother or a sister right uh and you have young siblings that that you sh- like, the way I think th- is probably a good way to approach th- things is, is like, uh, try to be inspirational for your siblings, right? Try to do something that, uh, makes them better people because they're looking at you and they're looking up to you. So as a, as a father, your child is definitely looking up to you if he's trying to emulate you and, yeah. um, be on a mic. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so he, yeah. he might not end up doing that when, when he gets older, but yeah. the idea that, that he sees, like, this, this, these, um, intangible like what he's seeing in you and doing something different like your day job and then you're doing this it 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 makes him it form it it creates some uh connections in his mind that hey you don't have to do just one thing right this understanding that you can do multiple things and juggle many things to move forward is like that's what you're building in his mind and that's i think we should do more of that
1: And I think one of the things that we really have to have a big paradigm shift about is, okay, maybe in the past, if you wanted to do a podcast or if you wanted to be an author, you went to school for that. You learned some hard skills that were related to that. You learned A.B. Right? (laughs) And now that's really not the case. You don't have to have a degree in literature to write a book. You don't have to have a degree in AV or radio entertainment or anything like that to be able to do podcasts. Anything that you really want to do, you can actually achieve substantial amount of success just Googling your way through it. Like I was watching Shark Tank and one of the people, I think she just had like a cupcake bakery, like really common thing. And they were like, oh, how'd you get into it? Did you go to bakery school? She's like, no, I just Googled my way through it. And even the business side of it, all of it, you know, she Uh. even had a failed business. She started over and then she got like a deal for like millions of dollars. And so... To have that mindset, oh, I have to get a bachelor's in this and a master's in that. Then I will be able to be successful in my yeah. passion or anything yeah. is really an outdated model now.
3: That is. That so is. You're I so think right. that that's
1: really important for us to communicate to the youth, you know. Yeah. Not don't get degrees or don't go to school, but, well, yeah. you know, you can branch out in any way.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it goes back because that cupcake example that you gave that woman was able to figure things out. Yep. And again, it goes back to what I said before. That that's probably the most important part of, like faith aside, right? Like the ability to figure things out and having the confidence that you don't know everything, but when you get there, you will figure it out. Mm-hmm. You'll cross that bridge when you come to it. And when you come to it, you'll be able to cross it essentially because you'll be able to figure it out. I think that's that's like the, the most powerful uh, individual skill set that you can have. Yeah. Um, because when, when I when I wrote these books, I mean, I self published. I don't I've never published the book before and I don't know any publishers, right? I don't know the process. But the thought that, okay, I'm gonna create this book and uh then then let me figure out what I need. Well I need somebody to draw it, right? I, I can write it, but then what? I need somebody to draw it. Okay, fine, I'll find a illustrator on Google, um, through Google, right? Uh then I need somebody to print it. Uh so I'll find a printer. So I, I kinda search for that. And then I need money because I have to pay all these people. So it's like, okay, you figure things out. Where am I going to get the money from? Where am I going to find all these people? And then um, I didn't have a graphic designer for so when I first wrote the the uh, the first book, I didn't realize the illustrator is not the guy who actually puts puts the text in the book. I didn't I didn't realize this right. So I'm learning things as I go. And then and so I got to a point where um, the illustrator gave me um the, the illustrations in Photoshop and then I had to now uh I had run around and look for graphic designer, couldn't find a graphic designer. So I Googled my way through Adobe InDesign, mm-hmm. which is a program that you use yeah. to kinda lay out the uh, books and things like that, right? Or or, or collateral. So you just Googled my way through it. And
3: um I mean yeah. at the end you, of the day you YouTube videos and you kinda just, Everything's there. The resources
1: yeah. are so rich yeah. and like you can really get to a level of expertise to you know, subhanAllah, like, you, I don't think anyone could Google their way through something like this in the past because those resources weren't there. No, they weren't. You know, you really had to be an expert in that field and all those kinds of things. So, Alhamdulillah, I think, like you're Teases saying, the game. right, it yeah. does. And so, for the, for anyone who has a great idea, they right. can start that journey. Right. You know, and
2: I encourage parents, like, anybody listening to this, if you're a parent or if you're like a young guy or a gal that is like 10 to 20 years old, I, you know, that's a time when you should actually be creating, uh, you know, 20 projects or businesses and failing 19 times. Mm-hmm. That's the time to do it because you, you're gonna get free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you're gonna have a free, free place to stay so you can fail. So fail, you know, the thing about failing is, is, uh, and you probably heard this before, I don't know, um, but, uh, in order to fail, you actually have to have started something. So the idea that you should start something and then fail and start something and fail, is actually not, it's a pretty good idea. Because you're not going to be successful in everything you do. But at each point along the way, you're going to learn and get better and better and better. And the thought is that by the time you're 18, 19, and 20, you might never have to go to school because now you're really good at what you're doing. And that's making you money and you're passionate about it and you have a happy life. And it's not really what we want. In the end. Right. Omar, uh, where can
0: people like learn more about you? And are you on social media? Um, And like you're doing a book tour right now, kind of like what else? Where else are you heading in the country?
2: Um, I mean, so I'm going to I have uh, shows coming up in uh, Atlanta and different parts, you know, California. So people can find out about where I'm going on on my website, uh, littlebigkids.com. That's actually the company that I started um littlebigkids.com or iliasandduck.com it's, it's the same website or on social media at facebook or instagram um the hashtag uh, the 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 handle is at iliasandduck all spelled out so technically you got you do
0: shows not it's not a book tour right it's a little different
2: um, yeah, yeah sure i mean supporting the books and right. and 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 just trying to because i you know i'm a self published author and and I don't really have the distribution that a big publisher would have so uh, in order to reach the audience I mean uh, the books are available on Amazon so you can purchase them from Amazon if you like they're available on my website as well um, but really I think uh, it's really important for me to 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 show people what these books are all about by being out there reaching out to, to the audience to the parents and really having conversations with them meeting people like your wife yeah. uh, who, who found out what I was doing and, and so it's really important when you're hustling essentially beyond writing the books right there's the entrepreneurial side yeah. right which you have to which which you have to nurture and you have to do all the right things meet the right people to kind of move your project forward so yes. you know and that that's really the show uh, kind of um uh, accomplishes multiple things it helps you make an impact um that i've always wanted to make on 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 you know others and also uh helps me kind of get the word out so I can do more of this. Yeah, also awesome, man, that's
0: like like we're we're speaking the same language. You're just using a different medium. We're yeah. we're talking about branding and getting our words out like very at a very grassroots level. So, we appreciate you coming through on your tight Chicago schedule. Um, you know, we'd love to have you on in the future if you're ever in the area. And yeah, no, and like, thank you for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's been awesome. Uh, for our listeners out there, um, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at themadmumluks at gmail.com. You can also check out our newly revamped website, www.themadmumlooks.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Mad Mom Looks and like our Facebook page by the same name. And last but not least, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Or Stitcher Radio and rate us five stars on iTunes, even if you haven't listened to the show. Which you probably <laughs> have by now if you've gotten through this far. So for our special guest Omar Khwaja, for my co host uh, Summer and Sim, I'm Mahin signing off for the Mad Mum Lux. Assalamu alaikum. As-salamu